Here we go, They're seven seconds. Deep. Berkovici, he's just going to air it out deep downfield, and uh, no white shirts around. Oh, it's it's gone. Gone. Gone for a touchdown. It doesn't get any better than this. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. If you've been listening to the last few episodes, you know what this episode's going to be about. We're in the second weekend of March Madness. 16 teams left. Some of them we expected, some of them we didn't. Uh, so with me today, I have a cast of the Interjectors, a couple different ones here to talk about college basketball. Uh, we have recurring guest Joey Bonadonna. He's been with us this whole this whole March season. Uh, Noah McGrublin, he's been there in the past. He was on a, a business trip to, to Arizona to watch some baseball. Then we have a new Interjector for today, um, representing the mean streets of Miami, Florida, uh, Brandon Vital. How's everyone doing? Doing great, bro. Hey, first off, Jeremy, thank you for having me, dog. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's definitely, it's definitely a cool experience right here. It's good. It's good to be back. It's been a while. I'm doing great. Wisconsin is uh, Final Four bound in the NIT, but Final Four bound indeed. Yeah. Get the, get, mean, get the guy out of here. Do we? Is there uh-huh. anywhere where you can make an NIT bracket challenge? I wish there was. I would have done one. No. I would not have. I would not have. No. I would have, because I would have just taken New Mexico. <laughs> um. All right. Let's let's get into it, shall we? Let's let's start in the South. Um. So the South, we have a relatively chalk matchup at the top. Uh, one seed Alabama taking on five seed San Diego State. Alabama never really in doubt against Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, nor against uh, Maryland. San Diego State was able to play two double digit seeds. They survived College of Charleston, and then. Handily beat Furman. On the other side, the Creighton Blue Jays have made a little bit of a run, took care of NC State, got by uh, Baylor. And then, of course, we have the biggest surprise team still standing, the Princeton Tigers. They defeated Noah's Arizona Wildcats in the first game, and then they defeated Jackson Francoise. Missouri Tigers, who I was on a business trip, went to that game. Sacramento, all Missouri. Shout out to my Missouri people. Um, and it was brutal. That's why probably why Jackson's not here is he's still reeling from that. But yep. we love we love Missouri either way. Um, so that is the four teams we have left in the South, starting with Alabama, San Diego State. What are what are our thoughts on this one? Uh, Alabama by TKO. I actually I actually think this one's gonna be a lot closer than people think, bro. Yep, you heard me say that. I think Alabama gets away with it. I say. I'll give him a seven-point win in the in that one. You can't disrespect San Diego State's defense. That's what I'm trying to say. I think it'll be a low-scoring game, probably 67-60. That's I'm, my that's my that's my final right there. I'm with Brandon on that. I think the final score is going to be closer. The reason that I I definitely like Alabama over SDSU is SDSU's defense is fantastic, and I think they'll be able to slow it down to a certain extent. But the thing about Alabama is Alabama can win in a lot of different ways. They can boat race you and score 100, but they've also won games where there have been tons of games. I mean, I watch a lot of Alabama where they shoot miserably from three. They have no business being in games, and they just play so much stout defense and are able to make clutch buckets that they can win. Like if it's they're going to they can win if it's in the 60s. I trust them to be make clutch shots at the end. Uh, And I I don't know if I could say the same for San Diego State because San Diego State is deep. They have a lot of different guys who are solid, but I don't know if they have a guy who can truly take over and be a one-man wrecking crew to to get it done. But if Emma's not hitting the threes, I mean, San Diego State's one of the slower teams in the country, 
Yeah. You know, they could have 25 second possessions and score points. And if Bama's not making the shots, I mean, you know, Bama could get into the danger zone. 100%. I, th- I think you can't overlook SDSU. Um, they're what ranked fifth in adjusted defense on Torvik. Alabama is ra- is ranked third as well. You kind of, but fifteenth in offense. It's just it's an interesting matchup of the contrast on offense and then two strong defensive teams. So and, and another thing to look at is uh, San Diego State is not that great at two point defense. They're really elite at preventing the three pointer. <laughs> yeah, they're seventh in the fifth country in three point. Yeah, I see fifth in the country. I don't know. This is pre tournament, pre tournament. I see. All right, I I got you. Uh, I mean, I think it, all those things about San Diego State are right. I think, I mean, they have great defense and they're able to slow a game down, force teams to play at their pace. Um, My only concern, really, I guess, going into this Sweet 16 game is, again, the quality of opponent that San Diego State played in the first weekend. While those two teams, I mean, obviously, we we talked about before, Charleston was great all season. Furman did win a tournament game, but that's going to be a quite a bit of a jump to go on to play Alabama, the number one overall seed. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the last time they played a top twenty team on uh, Torvik was St. Mary's in, yeah. in December. December tenth on yep. a neutral court. That was that was the last time they played a top twenty team, and yeah, you're right. You're right. That's concerning. I think I mean, the difference yeah. maker for Alabama is going to be Javon Quinterly. He has he really didn't look like himself when the season started, and he's gotten better and better and better. And you know they're going to play to trap on Brandon Miller. And Javon Quinterly is so skilled at running downhill, getting tough buckets at the rim. And he's he's just a gamer. I think he's going to be the key player for Alabama as as this tournament goes on because you have all of these stud freshmen. He's a guy who's been there, um, and I think I think he's going to be a big yeah. down the stretch. I really don't think the numbers lie though. I'm looking. I mean, Utah State did not shoot the three against San Diego State, and that was one of the better shooting teams in the country. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Absolutely. Just keep the game as slow as possible. That's, and, I mean, that's the key. Nate Oates is stubborn. He's, he's not going to change his stance. They're not going to take mid-range shots, so they're going to have to score at the bucket. Yeah. yeah. Um, but does San Diego State really have productive size that can stop that? They have you some know? size, but when, when they go big, mm-hmm. it limits their offensive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. so. You can put in a guy like Mensa, who is pretty strong defensively, but he's... He's limited in terms of of offense. And the thing about Alabama is Alabama has an anchor with Charles Bediaco. Like, it's tough for even the quality big men to score. Um, so that would really be kind of a black hole there. And Alabama's an interesting mix in terms of you have Brandon Miller, who's who's pretty long. You have Noah Clowney, who can play like a more traditional big, but has some athleticism to it. It's it's gonna It's a tough matchup, I think. I think that there's no doubt SDSU can stay in this game. I'm just not sure when push comes to shove, they're going to be able to produce enough offense. So I'm taking Alabama. Yeah, I, definitely, I, got, I definitely got yeah. Bama on that one. I got Bama. I got Bama. I think, I mean, I think the final score is going to be, I'll say it'll be a competitive game, but I think the final score is going to be Bama running away. Perfect. Like if you didn't, if you didn't watch the game, you would think that, it, it was not close 
but I I think down the stretch in the last couple of minutes, um, kind of that fourth quarter, they can turn it on and pull away from SDSU. I can see that. I can totally see that. All right, moving on to the next game in the South region. Like I mentioned, the six-seed Creighton Blue Jays and the 15-seed Princeton Tigers. How are we feeling about this game? Creighton's in my final four. I got Princeton. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's possible. I mean, I mean, obviously they beat Arizona and they, I mean, beat Missouri from start to finish. Um, Creighton's in my final four, so I'm gonna ride with them. I mean, I think they they have the talent of um of a really good um three with like. Uh, Push comes to shove on this one. I think at some point Princeton's going to have to start cooling down. I mean, 78 points against Missouri. I mean, I, I just – I don't want to overanalyze it. I'm, I'm, I kind of want to take Creighton on this. They they've were, they were fantastic against NC State, fantastic against Baylor. I just think they will be able to ride that momentum and – the Sweet 16 Cinderella run comes to an end for Princeton. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I think the Creighton run, I think the Creighton run, Um, I think it's been great. I've only watched the game against Baylor, to be honest, but the only reason I got biased towards my Princeton Tigers over here is, you know, New Jersey. So, you know, my school, 15 seed, little shout out St. Peter's University. You know, we went on our little run last year, so. I, I I'm gonna pick my my New Jersey Tigers over here to to go to the Elite Eight just like just like we experienced. That's that's the only reason. But besides that, Crane's a Crane's a fantastic team. Saw them pretty much handle Baylor. So I mean, besides that, I got Prince. You know, I'm gonna say this about Creighton. I don't. I still don't know if people like know what this Creighton team is. You know, they've they've had they had an eight game winning streak, a five game losing streak. And all looked well pretty much in the back half of the season. And then they lost to Xavier by 22 in the conference tournament. Uh, so that was an interesting way to go into the tournament. But I I, re- I really like this team. And Ryan Kalkbrenner is playing his best basketball of his life right now. I mean, watching him against NC State, it was, it was ridiculous. Just the best player on the floor. Yeah. These are two teams I really like. Going into the year, I would, Creighton was probably my national championship pick. Me too. Uh, I saw I saw Princeton play with my own two eyes. Um, them beating Arizona made made me a huge fan. Watching them beat Missouri, you know, I was obviously rooting for Missouri, but you know, it was it was cool to see that their uh, guard who went crazy, Ryan Langborg. He's from San Diego, went to La Jolla Country Day. That was cool to see, and and they can play. It's not. We, we saw them win in two different styles. They won in more of a rock fight against Arizona, and then they were able to boat race Missouri and, and just kind of dominate from, from outside. And I think an underrated part of it was they rebounded really well. Um, my concern about that is that was against a Missouri team without true size, mm-hmm. and you run into Creighton, you have Kalkbrenner in the center and some more you know height depth. For Princeton to win this game... They're going to have to be, I don't want to say perfect, but they're going to have to be very efficient from the field, very efficient from deep. Because I think, look, Creighton just has so many guys that can beat you. Um, I'll say we- this. 
if you don't want to say it, I'll say it. I, Princeton has to be perfect. <laughs> Princeton's going to have to be perfect to win this game. I mean, we've seen them play two very different games. I mean, 59-55 over Arizona. I mean, Arizona's got two very solid bigs, and they were able to beat them there by four. Playing against Missouri, um, it, I mean, just then a completely different game. Score 78. Uh, again, did not have much size. Uh, Missouri did. Now you're going against Creighton with Kalkbrenner. Nemhard had 30 points against Baylor. They they kind of bring it bring it from all aspects, uh, all three levels of scoring. Yeah, it, it's, it's such I think a it's, lethal yeah. starting five. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's incredible. I, this matchup, I, I definitely would have. Um, I mean, Creighton is in my final four for a reason. I have them beating Alabama for a reason. They have the talent. They're not an average six seed. They had a bad stretch at the beginning of the year, and then obviously, I guess, losing it, that bad to Xavier in the conference tournament doesn't help them. But they have the they have the talent to be a a, a team that can make a run to go to Houston. No doubt in my mind. Then again, three words. This is March. You never know. Princeton could go on another 15-seed Elite Eight run. But I I, I just want to stick with Creighton on this. I'll I'll compare them. I'll, I'll compare Princeton and St. Peter's in the sense that, like, St. Peter's, uh, they, they played really good defense. Like, you look at the numbers, they, they had a really good two-point defense and overall just were an efficient defense. What's so weird about this Princeton team is nothing stands out. Like, they're they're not... It, it's I mean they've won two NCAA tournament games as a 15 seed, but they're like not that great at anything. It's weird. I I'm just kind of puzzled on how they got this far. I mean, look, Fairleigh Dickinson, a team that really shouldn't have even been in the NCAA tournament, got in based on a technicality, beat Purdue. So I I would have to refer to Joey's statement a couple a minute yeah. or two ago. This yeah. I just I. The talent disparity is is remarkable in this game. Yeah. <laughs> Creighton, I, I wouldn't say all five of these guys could be NBA players, but you they're know, close, yeah, they're definitely. close. They're like they're all really talented. I mean, I I take the starting starting five against just about any in the country in terms of well-rounded. You have Alexander Nemhart, Shireman, Kalkbrenner, Kaluma. Kaluma's not Ness, Kaluma's not a guy that you'll expect to go go off in terms of scoring, but he's a solid. Solid kind of glue guy. He'll be someone that I think can snag some rebounds against Princeton. And e- even if like against against Baylor, ba- against Baylor, Baylor Shireman, maybe it's because he didn't want to go against you know his ancestors. He didn't he didn't really do much against <laughs> Baylor. But like you said, uh, I think it was Joey Nemhart went for thirty. Uh, Brenner, I want to say had like eight rebounds. They can win with different guys going crazy. Yep. And you have. Uh, Farabello off the bench. They're just built like a national championship team. They don't go that deep into their bench, but they have different ways of beating you. So I like Creighton in this. I'll, I, I like Creighton and I like Princeton. Whoever wins this game, I'm I'm going to be happy with because I think both of them are fantastic. Likewise, yeah. Okay, so we, we completed the South. We're going to go down to the East now where we have 
Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, the nine versus the four. Florida Atlantic uh, beat Memphis at the last second, and then they were able to get by fairly Dickinson, the Cinderella story. Tennessee held on versus Louisiana Lafayette and kind of in stunning fashion was able to dominate Duke from wire to wire. And then on the other side, Kansas State, the three seed, handled Montana State, uh, won a classic against Kentucky. And now Michigan State, they beat USC and they, I mean, I would say they thoroughly outplayed Marquette uh, en route to mm-hmm. victory. So FAU Tennessee, how are we feeling about this one? I got to say, uh, Dusty May has done an unbelievable job um, to take Florida Atlantic to the Sweet 16 and win 33 games is remarkable. I mean, completely remarkable, and he deserves all the credit. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, that that leads me to saying Janell Davis. Janell Davis? Yeah. That kid's, a, that kid's a baller, and he's capable of taking over a game against – I'm telling you, anybody that's left in the Sweet 16. So, I definitely am going to have bias to my Florida Atlantic Owls and Boca Raton. So, you know, I think it's going to be a very tight game. I got I got the Owls pulling through. I um it didn't have Tennessee going far. And I, I, as much as I, I did like Dusty May, I did like FAU. Um, I didn't expect them to go on a sweet 16 run. I thought that they kind of had a tough job playing Memphis and then obviously expected them to play Purdue right after that. If they did win that first game, but they made it this far and both of these teams have had, they are obviously doing a very good job of winning games. Um, Granted FAU is um, they beat a 16 seed and they beat Memphis controversially i think some people would would argue i don't know who has the edge honestly in this one i would say tennessee just because they they beat duke wire to wire uh, but I, I don't know fau's been good all season too it's it's really a, it's a tough draw i didn't have either of these teams in my sweet 16 so i i don't really know how to how to analyze this matchup yeah, I mean, the when you look at the numbers, Tennessee thrives off of defense. They're number one in adjusted defense on Torvik, number one in three-point defense, 11 in two-point defense. And that kind of goes against a Florida Atlantic team that, in general, they can shoot the ball really well. Um, they're at 40th in three-point, 39th in two-point. Florida Atlantic's a solid well-rounded team. It's just going to be tough against that stout Tennessee defense. But Florida Atlantic... There's got there's some level of momentum to be said that you can't really account for Tennessee. There you could say that in the same vein, like Joy was kind of mentioning the way that they were able to to really stick it to Duke when everyone wasn't believing in them, including me. Um, with the loss of uh, Zakai Ziegler, they've been able to overcome it, but I think at some point it's gonna challenge them. And I'm not necessarily saying he's the difference between winning and losing this specific game, but it's hard. He was one of the you know, core pieces of that team. And it's hard to really continue that on. So I lean towards Tennessee, but I can really see it with Florida Atlantic. I think it's hard to gauge when, like it's kind of similar to SDSU in the sense where they played teams that aren't, they haven't played teams close to this caliber yet. Like you would have expected them to play a one seed. 
but they've looked pretty solid and they've they've been winning games all year. That's the thing is you can look at all these advanced metrics. All you can do is beat the teams that you play in. Florida Atlantic outright has done that. Well, 21-22 Providence pretty much proved to us that some teams just can win. Some teams yeah. just win and <laughs> all they're going to do is win. And it's just, it's baffling, but it's like, all right, you win. You do what's important. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm changing my pick right now. I was originally going with Tennessee. I'm, I'm taking FAU. I'm taking FAU. They're just, they're well-rounded. I think, it, I think it will come to the last minute, though. I think and like you said, they have the that guy. Minute. They're a well-rounded team, but they have that guy that can get the bucket in the big yes. moment. Yes, that kid finally getting his props. I mean, I've I've heard about that kid since before the season started. He wasn't really anybody, but he's from, like, Indiana, and they don't really get out-of-state kids, so it's pretty cool to see. That coach has done a hell of a job. I mean, all of their guards can shoot it. If they get hot, like, obviously, Tennessee, it's not going to be easy buckets, but it's a momentum game. You hit one, that can really have a snowball effect. And FAU has yeah. a seven-foot-one big man who is uh, 63% from two-point. Yeah. I mean, a Russian I mean, dude. 60% yep. from the field. He's, you know, that's efficient. <laughs> that's very efficient. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go FAU. Um, I guess side note on Dusty May, I think um, – this is completely unrelated to the tournament. Um, I really wonder where this coaching cycle is going to go. You, it, particularly, Dusty May. Uh, looking at Notre Dame, you've heard names like Dusty May, Michael Shrewsbury, um, Matt Langell. I mean, all three of those coach. Like, just putting it that way, teams out there have options. All three of those guys have been linked to Notre Dame, particularly. But if I'm very interested to see how this coaching cycle is going to go, if Dusty yeah. May does leave FAU, absolutely. So our next game in the East Region: Kansas State, the three seed; Michigan State, the seven seed. What are we thinking, fellas? How can you not root for Kansas State? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. This Kansas State team is fun. I, like, I will agree it's fun. I, I mean, I, I just I – re- I really want to stick to my – if I now had to pick one of my four Final Four teams that I was least confident in, it's still Michigan State, even though they have it, – it's just the path that they have to go play, not, particularly this Kansas State team. Like, this Kansas State team is, is good. They are playing great basketball. They – beat a good Kentucky team. I, you can't not root for Kansas State, but at the same time, Michigan State is, I mean, they they find a way to defensively lock down their your, their opponent's best player. We saw that with Tyler Kolek, forced a lot of turnovers on him in, in, Mar, in, in the Marquette game. Um and how is that going to uh, translate here into the Sweet 16 when you're playing Kansas State? You're playing, um, I mean, Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson are, are a great backcourt duo. It, it is a tough task, but they find a way. It, I, I, again, really could see this one going either way. I just I want to stick to my final four pick of Michigan State. You know, I'm going to quickly interject before anyone else can get a point in with a trivia question. Um, so Marquise Noel, he's played two tournament games this year, right? 
Um, I'd like you guys to guess how many assists he has through two games. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Noah. T- 23. I was going to be in the 21 range, and that was the first guy I was going to bring up, but I'll let Joey give his guess before I talk. I was somewhere from like 25, 26. 23 assists. 14 really? Game, nine in the second game. Right on the money. <laughs> on the money. That was uh, not something I knew up. beforehand. Yeah. Did you know beforehand? I did not. That was uh, just a guess. Okay. Brandon, what were you going to say about... Uh, yeah, I was just pretty much going to call him, uh, if not the best, probably top two playmakers in the country, bro. And I think the Kansas State Wildcats are right on him, bro, to set up everything on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Keontae Johnson, I believe he was a Florida transfer. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, that that he's another baller. So I think that's a good duo, and I think they're gonna pull it off. I think you know the little baby, uh, the little baby team is gonna pull through and probably be a three, three or four point game in my eyes, I guess. It it is definitely, and I I said this also earlier this week, um, or I guess yesterday, if Jerome Tang is able to beat. John Calipari and Tom Izzo in back-to-back tournament games. I mean, just give him the coach of the year. He should like, be the coach of the year. He should be the coach of the year right now. He should have been the, the coach of the year if they lost to Montana State. I mean, he... What about Mark Few? I mean, not Mark Few, uh, Dusty May. Still, no. I, I think... think uh, so much in the toughest conference. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Like, this team played in the big translated yeah. the tournament. I mean, Dusty May deserves his credit, but... yes. The turnaround for Kansas State in the toughest conference in the country, I believe they were picked to go last, and yep. they, they've they been fantastic. I mean, what's not to love about Kansas State? Kansas State might just be point blank my favorite team in the country. Marquise Noel is easily my favorite player in the country. I'm with Brandon. He is one of the most fun players to watch in college mm-hmm. basketball. He is 5'8". Five, 5'8". Eight. Five, eight. And if you were watching that game, not only was he uh, he averages like eight assists per game. He he goes crazy with the assists, but he was drilling three pointers with guys so much bigger than him on him. He he plays at such a level that you wouldn't even think he's five eight. The way that he's able to penetrate, the way that he's able to create, it's so unique. I think he's the most exciting player in the country. I think Keontae Johnson is probably the best comeback story in the country. I think Jerome Tang is the coach of the year, the best coach in the country this year. I think everything's coming up Kansas State. When I originally picked them to go to the Final Four, um, it was one of those things that it really kind of just came off as it's been a dream season. Why not keep it going? And especially against Kentucky, we saw what that means. This team can dig deep. They might not, you know, they, they might not be... A, you know, have the blue blood name attached to them, but there is so much excitement and so much tenacity within that group. I I like TCU a lot, or excuse me, I like Kansas State a lot. I I mean it, to keep going on what I was saying about Jerome Tang. Not only you hand him the coach of the year, you hand him a Blake check and make sure that he stays in Manhattan, Kansas, for the rest of his coaching career. Yeah. I mean, this has been a phenomenal year one for him. It is going to be a tall task, tall task to outcoach Tom Izzo, and not many coaches can do it. But if I had to pick a coach this year that is able to do it, it's going to be Jerome Tang. 
Keontae Johnson's a great story. Um, Marquise Noel, obviously, been a phenomenal facilitator for their offense. Uh, bringing this back to Miami, what if Nigel Pack is still on this team? Like, wh- where are they right now? Like, this is it, what does that? What would this team look like right now? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to think about that because, and, and to be honest, in you know. In theory, you'd like to have them, but I, I think they're perfectly they, happy the way. Right. I mean, I, I honestly, I think they might be worse with him just because there'd be too many dudes, too many guards. But, I mean. Yeah. yeah. It's a good, it would have been a good problem to have, but still, I think, yeah, you know. The one thing I'll say, I think. Uh, we've talked a lot about Kansas State in this matchup. Give our flowers to Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Seven seed. They have looked great this tournament. Um, you got to talk about Tyson Walker. I think he's one of the more underrated playmakers in the country. Uh, Joey Hauser's capable of knocking down big shots. AJ Hogard. They have, you know, they're able to go deep. There are a lot of different different guys you can go to that can get it done for this Michigan State. It's very – and I say this about a lot of teams, but I think really they're, they are one of the most cohesive teams in the country. They don't have um, any, like, brutal, brutal flaws. They're, they're pretty equal on the offensive and defensive side. So do all of us have – or, Joey, you have Michigan State? I'm still going to stick with Michigan State, but I would not be unhappy if Kansas State won this game because I think they're a fantastic and really fun team to watch. Brando, you got KSU? I got K-State. Noah? I got Kansas State. Cool. So let's move on. I'm going to go. Let's. We're going to go across to the West region. We're going to save the Midwest for last. Um, In this region, we have the eight seed, the Arkansas Razorbacks. They got here via beating Illinois in the first round and then shocking number one Kansas, although it wasn't shocking me. I picked them to beat Kansas, but regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, then UConn, they took care of Iona, beat my St. Mary's Gales, and that is how they are here in the Sweet 16. On the other side, Gonzaga, they pulled away from Grand Canyon, and then they had a narrow win against TCU. They're the three seed. And then UCLA kind of has been able to to sleepwalk to a certain extent to this uh, Sweet 16. They beat UNC Asheville. They were sluggish a little bit against Northwestern, but got it done there. Um, so let's start with Arkansas-UConn. What are what are our thoughts on this game? I mean, that was – Arkansas over Kansas was, I mean, not an easy upset pick. Obviously, it, a lot had to go right for them to win that game. But I just – I mean, I kind of felt that as soon as that bracket came out that – it was going to align if Arkansas was able to beat Illinois, which they did handily. I I just I really like them in that matchup against Kansas. They have the talent, they have the guys. It just again the same thing with Creighton. It just kind of had to come together for them, and they they did it. They won by one point. It was a crazy win. Uh, ride riding the must bus, take a shirt off on the scorers table. Greatest, <laughs> great, greatest reaction post game since uh, Pat Bev after beating the Clippers. Uh, I mean, it is, it's a great upset for sure, and not one that 
I'm very proud, put it simply, that I was able to pick. Jeremy, I'm sure you feel that way as well. Uh, but they run to this UConn team who has been making quick work of their, their opponents, especially in that first weekend. I mean, again, UConn is also my final four pick. That's another one that they're going to have a tough task of, I mean, this Arkansas team's riding hot, and then they have to play two tough te- one of two tough teams in Gonzaga and UCLA. So that's going to be tough too. But this UConn team was at one point the number one team in the country. Uh, obviously fell from fell from grace there, but they are hot right now. And if, if Adamus Sinogo can continue to play like this, I think that it's very possible that they can win these next two games and head to Houston. I'll put it this way. I think that uh, right now, I think UConn is my number one team in the country. And I think that UCLA is two or three and uh, they're in the same region. So, yep. Yeah. I just think Adam, 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 Sonogo is just too good. That's yeah. And I don't think Arkansas is going to keep up. I actually got UConn making also the final four. So I got them beating Arkansas. I think it comes to an end. I mean, they they played a great game versus Kansas, but I think Adama Sanogo is just is just probably playing right now like the best player in basketball in in all of college basketball, at least at least to me. Yeah, well, uh, Arkansas is a lot like Creighton. Uh, they're not your average eight seed. The talent on that roster mm-hmm. is immense. There's a lot of talent there. <laughs> yeah, the kid uh, Hawkins. He's he's another another bucket. I, I think that's his last name. Yeah. Um, the the thing about Arkansas is I liked Arkansas making a run because they are so overwhelmingly talented. They've been without um star freshman Nick Smith for a lot of the year. Um, they had so you know, various injuries, but the talent's always been there, and I think that that led them being capable of taking down Kansas. I think where they're gonna struggle is UConn is fantastic right now they're you know there's no one playing better in the country than UConn right now they're sound on both ends and and really they're they're a lockdown offensive or defensive team and the thing about Arkansas is Arkansas is ridiculously inefficient from three and that's not going to work against UConn it just simply won't they and when you when you go inside Adama Sanogo is just Adama, talk. UConn's playing is you know one of the best teams in the country. Adama Sonogo, if has been the most impressive player in March Madness. He yeah. next to Marquise Noel, I think those two in yeah. And I I honestly think this might be a blowout. I think UConn is going to mm-hmm. handily take care of Arkansas. Yeah, I got about ten or fifteen there. It's a good little range. So are are we all on UConn? Yeah. I mean, again, same thing. Arkansas is not your average eight seed, but they're running into a very tough UConn team. And also, uh, Dan, Hur- he, he needs the credit. Hurley needs the credit um, he deserves because that roster is unbelievably balanced. They have good guard play. They have a size. They play defense. They shoot the three. It's a, it's honestly a perfect roster. It's, it's remarkable. And it is. They hit that kind of... 
there was a little bit of snag in the middle of the season. After they were number one, they lost some games, and it was like, wow, is this UConn team fraudulent? Are they really as good as everyone hypes them out to be? And the answer is yes. They were able to write that ship, play fantastic basketball, and get hot as they go into March with a very good possibility of making it to Houston to the Final Four, and maybe they can win a championship if they keep playing like this. So yeah, next game we have in that region, uh, West Coast Heavyweight. It's kind of unfortunate that has to go down like this, so either way, we're going to be left with one West Coast team after this game. Uh, Three-seed Gonzaga, two-seed UCLA. Let's hear it. Um, UCLA is such a complete team, and as an Arizona fan, uh, I, I've seen it three times now. Um it sucks that they lost Jalen Clark so much, but uh, like Mick Cronin just has those guys playing the defense he dreams of, and they're good enough offensively. I mean, I I think they're gonna take down Gonzaga, and I think one of the reasons is because they've seen a team like Gonzaga three times now. I mean, basically Tommy Lloyd, his offense is very similar to what you see with Gonzaga. Mick Cronin has now seen that three times this year, and he. He has his moments, but ultimately, I'd say he's a defensive genius. And you know he's been plotting the second he heard he got to play Gonzaga. I think they're going to have a perfect game plan, and I think they're going to execute it to perfection. And I, I, I think UCLA, ideally, and if, if Mick Cronin could tell you, if he was here right now and he could tell you his dream score, it would be like 59-56 UCLA. Yeah, this matchup, it, when you hear strength on strength, it does not get more true to this game. Uh, Gonzaga, possibly the best offense in the country. UCLA, possibly the best defense in the country. It It's so different. I mean, Gonzaga can shoot fantastic. They're great from that range. They don't turn the ball over, but they're, they're liable on defense. They're not impressive. Very middle of the pack as a defensive team. UCLA, absolute lockdown on defense. There's some concerns about secondary scores. If, you know, Jaime Hawkins is the heartbeat of that team, but can they find, have other guys step up if needed? Tiger Campbell, obviously a veteran. Without Jalen Clark, it's been tough, but I think we've seen uh, Amari Bailey was super hyped up as a freshman. Uh, it wasn't making too much noise to start the year, but he looked really impressive against Northwestern. I think he's he's the guy that's going to emerge, maybe even just as the second scoring threat uh, as as it goes on for UCLA. And and I really think it could go either way. These two teams are fantastic. It should be a bloodbath. It's two of the most two of the best coaches in the country. Mark Few's been doing this. Mick Cronin has been fantastic at UCLA. I lean towards Gonzaga. I like I like the depth there, and that I I don't think depth is necessarily that important to winning in March. But I like the depth in the sense that I think they have several guys that could take a game over and, and win. Obviously, you'd look at Drew Timmy, but I think a guy you can also look at is that some of the guards that they have come off the bench. For example, Malachi Smith, transferred from Chattanooga, um, and now he's he's been their ace off the bench. The numbers aren't don't jump off the page, but he's an experienced guard that you know, has has had success at the highest level of, of college basketball. They could beat you with so many different guys in so many different ways on offense. But really, I mean, 
for the nerds, it's gonna it's all about the chess match between the high powered Gonzaga offense, what Mark Few is gonna put to try to rile up that UCLA defense versus how Mick Cronin is gonna try to utilize his defense to slow down the best offense in the country. I like Gonzaga, but I think this this will be possibly the best game of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that this is a, a Sweet 16 matchup. I mean, obviously, 2-3, you're going to get that matchup in a Sweet 16, but it is, uh, it's two very good teams and two teams that are very tough to pick against. Um, I, I have Gonzaga in my bracket, so I'm going to root for them, and I'm hoping that they're going to win, but... I think that, yeah, Gonzaga is susceptible if they're not able to score at will. They're susceptible to lose. Um, but they they do have the guys. You just mentioned it. They have the guys. Obviously, Drew Timmy's number one guy. But um, Julian Strother, Malachi Smith of the Redshirt Podcast, Chattanooga Mox. Uh, Hunter Salas can provide a bit. Not he's not not as much on the uh on the stat sheet, but he uh he's a guy that can produce um if you need him to. But I just I kind of like the top end guys that UCLA has. Um, looking at pr- particularly at guys like Hawkes and uh, Tiger Campbell, but it, I mean we've kind of just seen it even after Jalen Clark went down. UCLA finds a way. They can kind of just get whoever they want to go into that lineup, produce. I, I I'm gonna root for Gonzaga, but I I think I'm gonna, I think UCLA wins this game. Uh, Brando, who do you have on this one? I'm pretty much I guess just like everybody here, very torn between the two. I hate that this is a Sweet Sixteen game. But uh, I think UCLA pulls through. I think Jaime Hawkes, kids of ballers, and you, you mentioned it, Tyler Tiger Campbell. He's a, he's also one of the best playmakers in the country when it comes down to that with, with Noel. That's who I was pretty much talking about when I was saying he's up there with. And I like your point about Mari Bailey. That was one of my favorite guys coming out of high school as well. You know, so I watched a lot of his tapes and, not those tapes. Pause. <laughs> but yeah, I think he goes for 17, 18. <laughs> I respect it. So what yeah. we got, you three are on UCLA, I'm on Gonzaga's. All right. Fair enough. And then we are moving into the Midwest region, the most anticipated region, the most anticipated segment coming up in Red Shirt Podcast history. Let's start with the lower game. Uh, the three seed Xavier uh, takes on two seed Texas. Xavier barely got by Kennesaw State in the comeback effort, and then just blew the doors off against Pitt. Texas beat Joey's Colgate Raiders, and then took advantage of Penn State. How are we feeling about this game, fellas? The, I, I, I've I, another thing I said this week was. Texas is kind of going on a run of beating my three favorite teams in this tournament, Colgate, Penn State. Now they're playing against Xavier. Xavier is – the two games they played in this tournament are very indicative of what I said coming in. They are either very hot or they're very cold. And Xavier 
that Kennesaw State game is exactly what it is a perfect indictment of what Xavier is. They can go on a run where they're scoring 18 points in a span of five minutes. Then they can score 15 points in the span of 20 minutes. And then they go on to go on a run and they beat Kennesaw State. They throttle Penn State or they throttle Pitt from start to finish. Now they're going to play this Texas team. Texas in both of these games has been ridiculously efficient. Is that going to regress back towards the mean? I don't know. I don't know if I like Xavier's defense enough to be able to do that, to to be able to force them to take bad shots. Or I guess, I mean, I I want to take Xavier, but I think Texas just is really hot right now, and they're they're scoring very efficiently. I got um, Texas. Just for the simple fact, oh my bad, no, go ahead. Nah, nah, you can speak. I was just gonna say, I don't, I don't really want to watch this game. I don't really care yeah, to watch Sean Miller. That's Turner. exactly. This is like a very boring matchup. The only one I'd like to go with, if I had to go with somebody, it would be Texas, just so uh, the Hurricanes can own both Houston and Texas. Of course, we're gonna get to that, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna be uh. We're going to be, you know, we already took over the state of Indiana, so now we're going to come back down and take over Texas. So uh, I, I got Texas, obviously. I like Texas, too. I think. I'll, I'll just. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Just for the spirit of March, I'll I'll take Sean Miller. He'll probably go to the final four. Now that he's not with Arizona, I, I can absolutely see it. Texas, like Joey said, has been so incredibly efficient. They are solid on both sides. They have a lot of different guys that can beat you, which going into the tournament, you had uh, Dylan DeSue. I believe that's how you say his last name. Mm-hmm. He's averaging nine points a game, which is by, by no means bad. But then he comes into this tournament, scores 28 points, 14 of 20 shooting on, I mean, that with a double-double, had 10 rebounds. And the awesome thing, the impressive thing about Texas's win against Penn State is they were one for 13 from three, but then they were 31 of 61 from the field in general. If you're able to be winning games without knocking down threes, just hold on until they're able to to hit a couple then, because they, you know, Texas has guards that can do it. I mean, they're, I, I don't know if they're one of the, like the best shooting teams in the country necessarily, but they have guys that can knock it down. But if you're able to beat them in that way, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, I think Texas has looked really, really good. Xavier is good, but when you're talking about Xavier, do you really ever know what you're getting from Xavier? It's it's such a mixed bag. Yeah, I mean, you can see it, it is it literally turns itself on on and off for Xavier throughout this entire year. They're probably one of the top five teams I've watched the most this year, and it it's just it's really a Jekyll and Hyde thing for them. They will look great one second and the next they just, they can't hit shots, can't rebound, can't defend. It's, it's not good. And um, yeah, I think this Texas team has too many guys for Xavier to have a stretch like that, where they can't do anything right in the game of basketball. 
Um, and I, I think Texas pulls away. I would like Xavier because I had them in my Elite Eight because I just I really like their their potential. But I think we've seen it too much in this tournament. I think the worst of it was against a team like Kennesaw State, and it's not that's not going to go well for them when you're playing against a team like Texas. They're going to put you away uh, way, way too early. Texas is yeah. deep. Texas is experienced. Marcus Carr, uh, Timmy Allen, guys that have been around for a while. You throw in Serge Barry Rice, Dylan DeSue. Then you have a youngster, Tyrese Hunter. They go deep. They're, Texas is a very fun team to watch. They're not necessarily like purely exciting in a certain way, but they're, they just play a fantastic brand of basketball. It, I mean, and I, I, I say this too. I, I don't hate Texas. They're, they're a fun team to watch. I like those. I, I like Marcus Carr. I like Tyrese Hunter. I like Timmy Allen, but they happen to be running into my th- the three teams that I like going into this tournament, and um, it's hard to root against those teams. All right, so do we, me, Joey, and Brandon on Texas, Noah going with Sean Miller, is that right? Yep, going with Sean I, Miller. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Xavier does pull us out. I think this will be a close game too, but – I do got Texas winning it, but I, I very well could see Xavier getting hot at the right time and being able to put it through, but I got Texas on it. All right. The main event, starting with the one seed, the Houston Cougars, um, they were able to narrowly beat your Northern Kentucky Norse friend of the pod. We have lots of teams that are friends of the podcast. Then they were able to beat Auburn and cover against Auburn for, for you betters out there. And then, of course, the ultimate red shirt team these days, the Miami Hurricanes. They, How about them Canes? They were able to beat – who was their first round? Why am I forgetting? Drake. They were able to beat Drake, and then they took down the Indiana Hoosiers. They are here, and if you guys are wondering – uh, I made a I made a deal with Brandon. I said because he's he's an avid listener to the Red Shirt. It started really last year when St. Peter's was on a run. We referenced him. He listened a little bit. He listened to some of the stuff last week. And I said, if Miami makes the Sweet Sixteen, you can come on the podcast. So here we are, Sweet Sixteen. Miami is here. This is the moment we have all been waiting for. The moment that Brandon has been dreaming of. Brandon, tell us a little bit about the Miami Hurricanes. Hey, I mean, I think we got the best point guard, shooting guard duo, however you want to put it, in the country. I mean, I don't think there's a better scoring duo out there than Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack when they both get going. I, I think that showed, it's especially versus, what am I forgetting, Indiana. Uh, 27 points, eight rebounds for Isaiah Wong. I think he was definitely disappointed after dropping five points against the Drake Bulldogs, which, by the way, was the absolute shittiest draw you could get for a 5-12 that you're, like, hoping for not to see is the Drake Bulldogs. I mean, they're older than five NBA starting lineups. Uh, so that that was a tough, a tough game, but I think it was expected. I mean, I didn't have us winning that game by more than 10 points. And what did we win by, like, nine, seven points? But I guess this Houston team, their game plan is definitely going to be to box out Norchad O'Meara. 
down low. I think they want to play the game slow. I think Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack could get at you in a hurry. And then you have the most underrated player in the country, in my opinion, Jordan Miller, um, who could also get going in a hurry. So I think Houston's game plan, and if they could execute it, I'd, I am I am worrying for my Hurricanes as in terms of who's going to be down low, helping out Omir, uh, getting boards, because that is really how they won the Indiana game. Uh, Omir was just controlling controlling the offensive and defensive rebounds. So, uh, yeah, I think the game's actually going to come down to Jordan Miller. I think he'll end up being the leading scorer of this game. But I, I got us, you know, hey, I'm going to pick my hurricane. So I'm going to pick, I got it as a six point, six point victory for my Miami Hurricanes, man. I think, I think Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller are going to take over this game and both go for 20 plus. I'm actually totally in agreement with you. I think you talk about Jordan Miller. And even when I'm just thinking of Miami off the top of my head, I immediately think, uh, I think of Wong and Pat and even a little bit of Omir. Jordan Miller averaged 15.6 points per game. The guy can absolutely hoop. He scored 19 in their last game against Indiana. Then you talked about Norchad O'Meara, who coming into the tournament was questionable in terms of injuries. And he has been phenomenal. The You know, he not necessarily scoring a ton of points, but dominating the glass. Uh, the rebounding numbers, uh, he had 17 rebounds against Indiana. And overall... The Hurricanes had 48 rebounds to Indiana's 31. Uh, if that, I mean, I think that that stat says a lot. And he's he's going to face some stiff competition. Houston is a complete team that is has the guards to get it done. They have some awesome size as well when you're talking about uh, the freshman Jerace Walker as well as uh, you look at, uh, what's his first name? Roberts. Uh, Juwan Roberts. Juwan. Okay, I thought I thought it. They're the, Houston's a great team, but Houston hasn't looked fantastic. The win against Auburn ended up being by nearly twenty, but was it really? I think it was what seventeen. Yeah, it's I was a, only. It was, it was it was closer than the final score reflected. I was only able to catch a little bit of it, but. You need it, it. Sasser looked good, which is an important thing, but I don't know. Houston just hasn't looked like the world-beating team that they have for most of this year. And I'm not saying by any means that Miami has looked perfect, but man, and maybe it's dumb, but I just love those fast-paced, high-intensity offensive teams. Houston can usually feast on them, but I I really like Miami. I think Miami. It's going to come down to the last second. Like, I think it, this has buzzer beater, buzzer beater potential. Definitely. I'm going to, I'm going to take Miami. North Shadow Mir will, he probably won't, won't score very much, but he will be the most valuable player. He, the more I watch him, because I really didn't watch a ton of Miami early on in the season, he has some Shibway tendencies where he's not a huge forward, but he just finds a way to get rebounds. It's, it's impressive. So I got, I got the canes. I'll take Houston just to be the opposition. I think there needs to be someone <laughs> who takes this role, and I'll I'll do it. Well, I I'm I'm still gonna take Houston. They're my national champion. Um, a lot of my picks in this 
podcasts have been for bracket purposes. I think Miami definitely has the guys to go strive for stride with Houston. I mean, there's no de- there's no denying it. Uh, but I think Houston being able to develop a guy, um, particularly in that Auburn game, uh, Tremont Mark was phenomenal for them. Um, Jerace Walker is fun to watch. Marcus Sasser, even though he might not be 100% right now, was dominant in that um, in that Auburn game. They have they have a lot, and Miami also does too. I think they have guys that are underrated, like you were just talking about. Um, it, it's going to be a good game. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out with Houston, but Miami is a hundred percent capable of winning this game. It's gonna I think it's gonna be trench warfare. Houston is fantastic on the boards, especially offensive rebounding. Um, that's, that's, you know, going back to Omir, that's what it's going to be about. They're going to have to corral rebounds because it's as simple as this. If Houston continues to get additional shots, extra possessions, they're going to win. If Miami is able to limit, limit those offensive rebounds, limit those second chance points. I like Miami's guards to take over and win that game. But without that, it's a clear win for Houston. So what? It's me. Me and Brandon are on Miami. You got the other two. You're on. You're on Houston. Correct. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. So that concludes each individual matchup. Do we want to go around, Sarah? Final Four, uh, national championship, etc. I'll quick. I mean, I'm I'm sticking with my guns. I'm sticking with Creighton against Michigan State, and I'm taking Michigan State over Creighton, and. Uh, Houston against UConn. I'm gonna take Houston. Then Houston, team of destiny in Houston, uh, cuts down the nets. Again, that can be very quickly uh, changed as soon as uh, Miami proves me wrong because it, it inevitably is going to happen. But um, I, I I stuck with this Final Four since the bracket came out. And I'm gonna stick to it until it falls apart. I I I, I like it that Creighton Michigan State. I think I'm gonna switch. I I might switch Creighton over Michigan State because I think Creighton might have a little bit more talent, but it is still tough to pick against Thomas Owen March. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna go now and say we're gonna take over the state of Texas, like I said before. We're going to beat Houston. We're going to beat Texas. And then I see us probably playing UConn, UCLA, I got. So I'll take UConn that, Miami UConn. I don't know where I'd go from there. Honestly, I'm not going to go further. But FAU, hmm. I got Miami going to the Final Four. But honestly, I don't know how much further we could get. I'm going to just start with that. National champion, if I had to pick right now, I'd go with, I'd go with Alabama. Honestly, I'd go with Alabama. I still would go with Alabama. Noah, what do you have? Um, my final four is uh, I got Creighton out of the south. I got Kansas State out of the east. I got UConn out of the west. And I got um, Houston out of the midwest. Uh, I've got Creighton over Kansas State, and I got UConn over Houston, and I have uh, 
UConn cutting down the nets in a Big East national championship. <laughs> How about that? The only thing better than that would be a Mountain West national championship between New Mexico and like, hmm. uh, maybe Wyoming. Wyoming would be pretty. Yeah, cool. I was actually gonna say Wyoming too. Wyoming's just, just just for the hell of it. Yeah. Um, my final four, I'm happy that for all of the games that I picked wrong, all my final four teams are still in. Um, I have Alabama coming out of the South, Kansas State coming out of the East, Gonzaga coming out of the West, and my wrinkle in the Midwest, I had Houston, but you guys know I took the Canes in that game. So I'm taking the Canes all the way to the final four. Then Bama beating Kansas State, Gonzaga beating Miami, and then Alabama cutting the nets down in Houston, uh, defeating Gonzaga, and number one overall seed, uh, finished the year number one. So, yeah. Hmm. Do we have any parting notes before we get out of here? Nah, I pretty much got the same same Final Four as you, just that I got Miami-UConn and Alabama-K-State, Alabama winning that. And then... Bro, Miami UConn, I think. I'm gonna take my canes, bro. I'm gonna take my canes and then for the grand finale of them all, I got my canes cutting down the nets. But you already know. Canes, it's baby. all about the U, baby. It's all about the U. Canes, baby. I got us going. I got us going for our first national championship. I think Coach L. Shout out Coach L, man. That's a guy we have not talked about. Shout out Coach Larry Nake. Yeah, that's what for those of you that aren't watching the uh, visual version, which doesn't exist. I was holding up a cup from Raising Canes. One day, one day, maybe I'll transition to to having video, but I don't think so, to be honest with you, because I like I like kind of doing random stuff as others are talking. But I don't know. And I think the last thing that I'd have to say is uh, if the Canes win the national championship, I'm going to get this on the podcast. So it's official. I think you got to do a show down here in Miami, bro. If, if the Canes win the national championship, I don't know what we're going to do, but we are going to do something to celebrate it. I will say that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, that's just about going to conclude this episode. Thank you guys for listening. As always, check out the blog, theredshirt.blog or theredshirt.wixsite.com backslash home. Uh, the Twitter, at the redshirt blog. I usually will post updates when there's a new podcast or new blog. Uh, that's definitely true for the Instagram at the dot red shirt um, for anything, you know, podcast blog related. If it's if it's sports in this month, month of March, we're talking about it. We're kind of back on a schedule getting going as the March Madness winds down. Sadly, that will bring upon baseball. Stay tuned for our baseball preview with possibly a member or two of of this podcast currently. Uh, but yeah, that's all we have for you today. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next time on the Red Shirt Podcast.